Good afternoon, Internet. This is the Doctor Writers Get Animated show. Go ahead. I'm listening. So, we're doing Kelsey Grammer today on Writers Get Animated. And all of his wise, bitter glory. Stay tuned. Stay tuned! Good day, Internet. And welcome to Writers Get Animated. A podcast about storytelling and animation and Kelsey Grammer for this episode. I'm Chris Leva. And I'm Mackenzie Worrell. And again, we chose Kelsey Grammer in, I don't want to say celebrate, in honor, in, uh, in recognition of the inauguration day happening in the United States of America. We decided to choose our favorite Republican voice actor category, category. not Ron Perlman as Hellboy. <laughs> there we go. So, Although, to be Kelsey fair, Grammer. I have not done my fair. research. I don't know what Kelsey Grammer's exact feelings are on this actual day. Um, but in general, that was our choice. I did watch a couple of interviews oh. to kind of see where we were getting. Some with Oprah, with lots of tears, and um, some with other people where he didn't cry as much. Um, but uh, he talked a lot about, the, I think they were from before the actual nominees got made um, in the election. And he was talking about crazy and, and things like that. So I don't want to, this is an episode not about his political views by any means. Um we're looking at him as an actor and why you would get Kelsey Grammer in your show, in your movie, and what you can expect from a Kelsey Grammer character. I almost think that it's a little dangerous to put Kelsey Grammer to make that choice because people are going to be waiting for certain things to happen if it's Kelsey Grammer as your character. That's, I think you're, you're choosing, you're making a lot of decisions and your audience is going to start thinking a lot of different ways if Kelsey Grammer is the person you choose to voice the actor. I'd agree with that. But you would agree with that? Yeah, I think that he's a fairly um, versatile voice actor, um, but people don't always take advantage of that. Uh, I would say that he doesn't have a very narrow scope, but he's certainly like archetype cast. Yes, I feel like pe when people are casting Kelsey Grammer, they're going after a very specific um, Kelsey Grammer role. A very specific broad range of Kelsey Grammer acting. <laughs> exactly. And he brings a lot to it, no matter what the role is. And um, he brings, I don't know what, what, I mean, this is part of what we wanted to talk about today. And we, we chose a couple of episodes from shows and we might also talk about some movies but what makes kelsey grammar work mm -hmm. <laughs> in, in his voice what does his voice add to these characters and a lot of people know kelsey grammar mostly as fraser crane i mean you're, you're gonna if you think of kelsey grammar you usually think of two different characters you think fraser crane and that he played beast. for 20 years what was that? And the Beast. And the Beast? From X-Men. No, you From X-Men? I do, but no one else does. No one else does. You think of... 
which is essentially a furried Fraser Crane. <laughs> I have no problem with sci-fi Fraser Crane. No, no, no. Fraser Crane in in fur was really well done. It was probably my favorite part uh, and the only good part of you know X three X Men United. That sounds like also a great name for like a Rembrandt painting. Fraser Crane and fur. Wow, I have so many images of paintings going through my head right now of what that could possibly look like. Let's not search the internet for that. Um, <laughs> that could be our new our new segment here on Writers Get Animated. Let's not search the internet for that. <laughs> so Fraser Crane and Fur. Um, so okay, so you think of normal people who aren't us. Think of Fraser Crane whom he played for 20, over the span of 20 years from two different shows, and, or, Sideshow Bob from The Simpsons. So we either see him in animated form or in Fraser Crane mode. Mm-hmm. And in a lot of ways, the Sideshow same. Bob is, you know, a, a version of this Fraser Crane highbrow um, Republican <laughs> art-loving... Because Bob, Bob Terwilliger, which is the name of Sideshow Bob, is a Republican. Mm-hmm. If they establish that in the show, we're not just saying that. We're, we are not. <laughs> he is a Republican. Um, and uh, there's some really good clips where he rails against the Democrats, which uh, I think we might put in our show notes. <laughs> <laughs> As they're carted him off to jail one time, I think Sideshow Bob's like, one day you'll have a Democratic president and I'll be back on the streets. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's uh, it's pretty pretty good stuff. Um, but those are the two roles that we normally see him in: Fraser Crane, who's generally good, and Sideshow Bob, who's generally bad. Now, the hard part about Fraser Crane as a character is that he he encapsulates a lot of what Sideshow Bob does, but he shows us that. Somebody who's super smart and intelligent and cultured and witty is just a, as much of a moron as the rest of us, mm-hmm. really. When it comes to basic human emotion, when it comes to doing the right thing, he messes up as much as everybody else. Um, what I love about Sideshow Bob is also it's very much like it's bringing the debate of high culture versus low culture to the Simpsons. And it was maybe the first time it really, I can't think of another season one episode where it really like articulated this high culture hatred of the Simpsons and embodying that on the show. Um, And many people, many scholars now agree that the Simpsons can be high culture, depending how you think about it. One of my favorite essays, which I think I've talked about here. Um, And I like that they, they have Kelsey Grammer as this high culture person who hates Bart Simpson. It's so meta, and now it's part of the show, so it's not meta. <laughs> yeah, he was only meant to be in that one episode. He was only meant to be in the season one episode where Kel- um, Kelsey, <laughs> Krusty, Krusty gets busted. Kelsey gets busted is something else. Um, <laughs> But Krusty gets busted. He was only meant to be in that one episode. But he made such an impact that they brought him back. But he didn't come back until season three 
which um, where he married um, Selma. Mm-hmm. And then he didn't come back again until season five. So I, I feel we tend to think that there is a Sideshow Bob episode every single season. I mean, there is now. There is now. Um, but it was this thing where we played the, the card and it was a nice surprise that when he would come back and you'd hear the little Sideshow Bob theme music um, made by Alf Clausen in his in Cape Fear, which is one of the things we're going to be talking about. Burm, 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 burm. Thank you. Mm-hmm. My vibrato. <laughs> it's a, I mean, it's, I think with Kelsey Grammer, you can, there's the wit we talked about. There's charm in it. There's sincerity and believability in his voice. So no matter what he says, you believe it. If he is speaking, you just believe everything he's saying. You just take it for granted because somebody who speaks like that with that voice just can't be telling you a lie. Oh, he it's speaks just, German. No one who speaks German could be evil. Exactly. Uh, just, no matter what he says. No, no, no. Because, no. <laughs> you know, Sideshow Bob in Cape Fear has a, on his chest, he has a, a tattoo that says "Die Bert, Die Bert." Oh die my Bert. gosh, <laughs> Die Bort, <laughs> Die Bart. Jeez, Die Bart, Die. But he says, "No, no, it's German. It stands. It means the Bart, the." Which is now a classic Simpsons moment. There are so many of them from this episode, and many people think that this episode is one of the greatest Simpsons episodes ever made. And I might agree. And um, one thing I'd like about early Bob episodes also is it's some of the first time we get continuity in The Simpsons is a sense of that. <laughs> That's true. Of like, oh, an episode happened before this. That's very true. Where we establish that Bob is getting revenge for something that are the repercussions of an earlier episode. So we start the initial ripples mm-hmm. of that. And I think in a, a more recent episode, they called into question how many times he's tried to kill him. And they're like, wait a minute, how long has it been? And there was this nice meta moment of, wait, I've been trying to kill you for how long? And how old are you? And this idea. It's the that, Treehouse of Horror episodes. They can get away with anything there. I know. I know. But it, it, was, it was just nice that it was acknowledging that Bart's been 10 for 20 years. 20 almost close on to 30 years bart has been 10 years old uh and it's it's interesting to have continuity even in something that's so ridiculous as this 30 year um groundhog day-esque time loop that they're stuck in maybe that'll be the final episode of the simpsons all of the continuity catches up to them at once hmm that would be fun. Very meta. Uh, or, or somebody has a birthday or something to show <laughs> that, hey, time, we are advancing. Actually, Lisa has a birthday in one of the early seasons, so I don't know. Never mind. We're not getting into that. <laughs> I'm not going down that road. Today, we are going to talk about Kelsey Grammer in two very specific scenarios. Him as Sideshow Bob um, in The Simpsons in Season 5, Episode 2, Cape Fear, as well as his more recent work, 
um, in Troll Hunters as Blinky in part one, because they don't have seasons, part one, episode 17, Blinky's Day Out. Um, one thing I want to compare in here is what I personally love about Grammar's acting is the bitterness that's in there. It's like this... <laughs> he's bitter because there's this quality of like being above everyone but not thinking that he's better than everyone. He's resigned to the fact that he has to be with everyone that he's better than. It's so less he, of what... Yeah. He's, he's, he's okay living where he is but he knows that he's better than everybody. Yeah. Try, I, I think that's what you're saying. Like, it's, this is my world. I'm resigned to it, but I shouldn't be a part of here. Exactly. It's less actively malicious and more just like, well, this is the way the world works, I guess. These mortals. <laughs> if only these plebeians could understand. Yes. I'm trying not to do a Kelsey Grammar impression because I'd be bad at it. I, I think. don't know if that was a Kelsey Grammar impression. Just I now. know. I'm telling you, I'm not doing one. I'm just making my voice deeper. That's, that's, the, that's the extent of how I'm going to represent the attitude of Kelsey Grammar that you were just trying to describe. Now, something else. You said bitterness. What else can we expect from a Kelsey Grammer character other than being bitter and outside of the tone? I think you do expect, um, like we talked about, the snobbishness, this well-learned person, the scholar, the Shakespeare of men, <laughs> singing, always singing. singing. You have to have singing. If you don't, if you don't have Kelsey Grammer sing, I feel like you've already wasted him in some way it's already he has this lyrical quality to how he speaks so it's such a natural transition from him speaking to singing that you can go back and forth so easily and i think at mm -hmm. one point the simpsons did try to have a sideshow bob song almost every episode he was in yes i mean they had it the the main reason why they um got sought him out was sam simon who also worked on cheers was you know, one of the people who developed The Simpsons, and he would hear Kelsey Grammer just come in singing to the set just randomly, like these jazz standards, and Ed be like, hey, you want to be on this? Could you do a Cole Porter song for this character that we have? And so he brought it. Um, and I think something else about the character of the, the voice of Sideshow Bob, it, it comes from... There's this attitude, this idea of this actor, director that Kelsey Grammer used to work with before Kelsey Grammer was famous. I just feel like I'm saying Kelsey Grammer a lot now. Um, <laughs> but Kelsey Grammer was you know, doing a lot of stuff around the house for Ellis Rabb, this actor who um, had a wife and it turned out to be gay. And his wife left him and she had a child with somebody else and in several interviews, he just talks about having one day Ellis Rabe saying, Oh, Kelsey, that child should have been mine. And he's, and he's, he's like, oh my gosh, I need to have that attitude, that like idea of this, oh my, oh but. Like it be, very quickly became Sideshow Bob is this 
voice that he stored away, this attitude of somebody longing for something, but also like not wanting any part of that thing. So, I also must commend you just now. Um, what? <laughs> because while you, you can't do a Kelsey Grammer impersonation, you can do an impersonation of Ellis Rabb, which well, is Kelsey Grammer. <laughs> so you just have to try to impersonate what he's impersonating in order to sound like Kelsey Grammer or Sancho Bob. Then I'll be, be able to come back around <laughs> in some way, hit it. Whoops! It's roundabout. I'll throw the dart this way, and then it'll r- wrap around the block, and eventually it'll hit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I think there's that quality that he has a that he had a very specific person that he was bringing into this character and creating this attitude, mm-hmm. and um, I think there's that just. The fact that there is that tension in the voice in terms of the character and what the character is wanting and not wanting. Sideshow Bob is a character that both wants fame, but not the way that he wants to be as well loved as Krusty, but he doesn't want to do it like Krusty, but he knows he needs to use the medium, but he he's completely against using... Um, the Krusty the Clown show the way the Krusty the Clown used it. But he wanted to be as well-loved and respected. And at the same time, something I think works really well for Kelsey Grammer's performance is that while he's so highbrow as Sideshow Bob, especially in Cape Fear, he's very much in slapstick mode. Oh, gosh, yes. The elephants trampling him. Oh, <laughs> and the uh, the Cape Fear parody where he's under the car and like, hey, kids, do you want to drive through a cactus patch? Yeah! <laughs> No! No! <laughs> uh, two against one. <laughs> no! <laughs> yeah, the, uh, it's just really ingenious the way they have this character. And I think the lower they take Sideshow Bob, and not, not in terms of... Um, in terms of low art, I, I would say. If we take Sideshow Bob into low art and turn him slapstick... It just, that, those become the funniest parts of the episode. Mm-hmm. Because and we love to see clash. smart people get hurt. Yes, we do. We love to see smart people get hurt. There's some justice in that. I mean, I don't know if I'll agree or disagree with that statement, but... I don't know. I also think we like to see dumb people get hurt. It's people who get what they deserve, I suppose. That's true. It's just villains are often so smart. I know. They're too smart. I know. We need They're more dumb smart. villains. And this is, this is something else that um, comes from an interview I, I watched with Kelsey Grammer. You watched we a lot of Kelsey about, Grammer interviews. I did. I was, I was very into it. Um, but there was an interview with him where he spoke about the possibility of going into politics. And he said, well, I just want to get things done, you know, um, and the, there are two ways you can get things done. You could either get things done with the truth, which isn't very entertaining, and people won't necessarily follow you or get excited about the truth, or you can do it through manipulation. <laughs> like, those are the two choices you have in life, either manipulating people or telling them the truth. And the truth isn't sexy, in a sense. The truth just 
doesn't get people fired up as much as being manipulated. We like a good story. So, and I think, uh, yeah, even when Bob, Sideshow Bob ran for office, I think we get into that same thing, you know. Is it manipulation? Is it telling the truth? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I feel like I feel like Kelsey Grammer as an actor as taking over these characters because of Sideshow Bob. You're going to start wondering is this a good character or a bad character? And I think you're always waiting for the character to turn. If you cast Kelsey Grammer, you're waiting for the character to suddenly flip and be bad. You think so? I feel Just like because of Sideshow Bob? I don't know if it's because of Sideshow Bob, but we've lived with him as a villain for so long. You can't... I think you're waiting for him to turn. You just always like, expect you him to be evil. You can't be good. You can't be good, Kelsey Grammer. Are there other Kelsey Grammer villain roles? I can't think of any off the top of my head. I'm probably wrong. Toy Story 2. Oh, yeah. Okay, fair. He started off good, and then suddenly he was the bad guy. You trusted him. You believed him. You thought he was the best guy. You thought he was a very simple prospector. And then he turned. He turned on you. I think you have some Toy Story 2 problem feelings to uh, work through still. I'm not saying that I don't, but <laughs> I don't think I do. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. But uh, I, you can't really trust him. Like troll, uh, we, We'll talk about Troll Hunters, but you know that when he comes, um, when Sideshow Bob appears or anything with Kelsey Grammer, that there's going to be a time when he reveals that, no, he's just manipulating you. He's just trying to get what he wants by pretending to be nice. Like, no, Bart, I've changed. I've changed, Bart. There you go again. That was good. <laughs> and, then he did, and then he didn't. I'll kill you. You know, he, he, then he flips. He flips. It's just this manipulation to be able to get close enough so that way he can just enact his evil revenge. But I think he does, like, to a certain extent, like Batman and the Joker, if Sideshow Bob is the Joker. Um, he likes <laughs> Wouldn't Bart. would be a far leap. He does like Bart. He likes having an obstacle. He's grown accustomed to his face, um, to reference the later <laughs> episode. <clears throat> and also he loves, yeah. he loves that Bart takes a genuine interest, like, would you sing... In Cape Fear, would he sing the entire album of HMS Pinafore for me? The entire cast album? And Sideshow Bob is flattered that this boy wants to learn so much about classic musical history and will obviously oblige him in singing the entire album before he murders him. Yes, but Bart knows that in playing to Sideshow Bob's ego, he can stall for time. Until they are able to go by the brothel where all the policemen are. Oh, God. And be saved. Yeah, I don't remember that when I was a kid. Yeah, I didn't understand that joke as a child. <laughs> I was a little surprised at that joke, to be right. honest. I was Rewatching the episode, like, oh, goodness. That's not something you do to I Chief Wiggum now. that. Yeah, he's, he's got a loving wife and Ralph, whatever Ralph is. But, yeah. Um, makes it think lots of 
weird thoughts about what was happening in so, that marriage. One thing we haven't discussed yet, and we should talk about the elephant in the room, that's not the elephant joke in this episode. Um, yeah. The rake joke. Okay. We must discuss the rake joke. Yeah, this is... Would you say that this unintelligible muttering is the most iconic Kelsey Grammer line of all time, animated or live action? I don't know if I can make that statement, um, but I think it's very recognizable. It yeah. says so much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like... <clears throat> yeah, I'm trying to think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's like this... It's two main pieces, and you, you start to... One has to do with the frustration of the pain, and the second piece is just trying to move on with life. Like, all of that is expressed in the smack... Yeah, yeah. And then, like, the, the second year, there's the long, draw, long one, like, oh, I can't believe this is happening again. The second one with, I have to go through this. I will soldier on and then smack again. But it's also Nine. The, de the debasement. I know that, too. It's <clears throat> everything he doesn't want to be. It's like being on the Krusty the Clown show all over again, except for the rake instead of a pie, as he's trying to right. kill this boy. It's... There's so much in that line, and that muttering says it all. <laughs> nine times. Nine times he gets hit with the rake. Well, he only recorded the line once, though. I know he did. He didn't know there'd be nine times. <laughs> but nine times for the animators to have it <laughs> move from rake to rake. Nine times. <laughs> nine times. I mean, it's, it's just an intense... An intense um, amount. Like I, I thought it would was going to end like four times before that. <laughs> it was just like, oh gosh, it's doing it again. And I don't know. It's just it's very satisfying to see somebody like that get hurt. This is like a blueprint for what Family Guy would later do with like the jokes that go on and then go on too long and then go on again and they're funny again. Yeah. I think right around seven, it's not funny. And then like somewhere around nine, you're just, it just beats it into you that it's funny again. I think it's, it is, I don't, I think because they, they change it up with having the close-ups yeah. where you could see his frustration and then to do the, the higher out, those, the zoomed bird's eye view of how many rakes are there. So it's the joke that he's getting hit by the rake a lot, but then they pull out and the joke changes because he's surrounded by rakes. <laughs> and he only ever steps it's, on two of them again and again. I know. But it's like a visual gag. Of, <laughs> now it becomes a visual gag and then it's just ridiculous. So if it had just been him just walking through, that would have been one thing. But the fact that the joke evolved, <laughs> hit, close up and hit, close up, hit, close-up hit, and then the fourth one, we see the visual gag of just how many rakes there are. Smack, 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 close-up again, and then pull out, smack, <laughs> just a couple more times. Ah, oh, the rake joke. The, it's, it's an amazing scene. It is. It's, it's the entire history of animation in one early 90s bit. Like, it's, it's Looney Tunes, it's Simpsons, it's 
everything you want it to be. Just those two <laughs> things. Just those two things. Everything. Everything. It encapsulates everything. Looney Tunes and The Simpsons, which is everything. Really? That's maybe a little Mickey Mouse if you're like stretching it. I would call him like Donald Duck. Yeah, Mickey doesn't get hurt in that same way. They don't yeah. they don't like to hurt Mickey as much. And that's fine. Donald Donald will get abused. He takes a beat. Um I think Donald Duck in a lot of ways is like if he didn't have his speech impediment, he'd be closer to a sideshow Bob type character. I think if he didn't have a speech impediment, Kelsey Grammer playing Donald Duck would make perfect sense. Just suggesting Disney. For DuckTales, the reboot. That'd be a good call. Have an episode Kelsey where they, Grammer. they like cure Donald Duck of a speech impediment. Kelsey Grammer voices Donald Duck for an episode. That goes back well, once a season to an, sing a song. <laughs> they did do an animated short where they stripped Donald of his anger and he didn't have his speech impediment anymore. It's like, hey, buddy, <laughs> I love you. <laughs> like, it was just like, the, it's the creepiest thing to hear a different voice come out of Donald Duck. Hey, Patty. Oh, jeez. Jack didn't like that one. But um, <laughs> let's, can we, is there anything else we want to say about Cape Fear? I know we uh, didn't really talk like the nitty gritty on it. I mean, we're talking about an aspect it, of it. We could we could yeah. do a whole breakdown of Cape Fear like we do for some other things. We could we could spend an entire episode just on Cape Fear as it's storytelling, but concentrating on just the sideshow Bob aspects of it, not getting into the best lines of it because you know there's bits mm-hmm. of witness protection program and. <laughs> All these other things that Homer gets into and everything that Bart gets into. but For me, not Cape Fear related, but in 2016, this past year, Kelsey Grammer did dress up as Sideshow Bob for Halloween. Are there, are there pictures? There are pictures. You can find pictures of this. We will link to some in our show notes. But that just proves that Kelsey Grammer is this wonderful cinnamon roll, too good for this world, too perfect. <laughs> I'm sorry, I have to look this up now. Oh, it's it's like Oh my goodness. Yeah, it's like one of those jester hats but like entirely red so it looks like Satchel Bob's hair. He's got a green polo and he's like lightly like orange. Spray tan. Yeah. Oh. That's that's just wonderful. That's that's just amazing. Took him more than 20 years to do it, but <laughs> Kelsey Grammer went as a live-action Sideshow Bob. And it it is slightly creepy. <laughs> it is slightly creepy. I'm not going to... I'm not going to say it's not. I mean, it's... Uh, it is creepy. So let's compare that with a less creepy performance. Let's do... <laughs> juxtaposing Kelsey Grammer's performance in Cape Fear with his performance as Blinky, who's a main character and in every episode of Troll Hunters in Blinky's Day Out. And Blinky is more of this lightly bumbling mentor figure to the hero instead of this murderous archenemy. Well, can we talk about what Troll Hunters is just real quick? Oh my God, yes, please. Newer. Ugh. It's a So this is newer. It's on Netflix. It's a Netflix original series created by... Guillermo del Toro. Guillermo del Toro. Um, and what what's the story... 
just in a nutshell. Oh, it's magnificent. It sounds maybe a little more basic <laughs> if I just say what the story is. You have to watch it to appreciate it. But there's uh, this average human boy who finds like this medallion that uh, it's chosen him to be the troll hunter, which is normally a troll. And there are good trolls and bad trolls. There's a secret world. And a long time ago, all the, the worst of the worst trolls have been locked away in some dark realm. And there's a few of those bad trolls out there still trying to unlock the Dark Realm. And so he is now the first human troll hunter, which is normally a troll who's a troll hunter. I know that's confusing. They talk about it. It's very confusing. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a plot point. Um, <laughs> and so he is joined by some of his human friends. And Blinky, this mentor, is a troll hunter trainer. And uh, Blinky's good friend, Arg, um, who's oh, so amazing. I love Arg. Um, and then also... Um, oh, I'm blanking. Drax? Drell? Oh, shoot. Um, who is the son of the former troll hunter um, that dies in the first episode of the show who thought that he would be the troll hunter, um, but is not, and is a little bit bitter about it and mad at, of course, uh, Jim, the main character. Drawl. Well, he should really, he should really be a Matt Droll. Drawl. Drawl. Draw. With a U? No, two A's. Drawl. Drawl. Like, like a, a southern, southern drawl? drawl? Yeah. Okay. Except not southern. Uh, okay. So it's... <laughs> like really southern, like <clears throat> subterranean. Yeah. It's, it's it's like a new... It's a fairly like classic fantasy story, but with like good character drama twists in it. Um... And oddly, like the the highbrow, bitter, wise arch enemy person of the show is uh, Jim, the main character's teacher in the first season, <clears throat> um, which is very much like the sideshow Bob archetype. But Kelsey Grammer's playing like the the lovable, highbrow, slightly bumbling <laughs> sidekick instead. So yeah. this wonderful Who's juxtaposition. Who's playing the teacher? Who's playing the teacher right now? Ooh, uh, you're asking all the hard questions. I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> um, Jonathan Hyde. Okay. I was trying to place his voice. It sounds almost like Ray Fiennes, but it's, I know it's not Ray. I'm um, looking up what else Jonathan Hyde has done. Um, there's Dr. Alan Chamberlain in The Mummy. Oh, yes. Okay. So they have... You would have expected... Well, I think that would have been too easy then to have Kelsey Grammer play that role because that, that role would have been going bad. Maybe he's... Maybe Kelsey Grammer's too old to be playing the role of the principal. Oh, no, I, I certainly don't think so. Oh, the teacher. I'm sorry. Yeah. The teacher. Yeah, spoilers. Come on. Well, he's, what? He's the principal in the second half of the season. Part. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So you need to watch all of it. It's so good. I know I need to watch all of it. I, we chose an episode, and I, I watched the first two episodes so I would not be completely confused about the world of the, the series. There and is a I lot. And then skip to 17. It's hard to go straight into episode 17 and know much about the plot of what's happening at the time. It's very much like a really long, really good DreamWorks movie. <laughs> huh. That is a good way to put it. Yeah, each episode it, each something w- changes. 
Yeah, and every episode it seems like ends on somewhat of a cliffhanger. Yeah, there's always a a new stasis point for the next episode. So, things are completed, but nothing is finished. Mm Mm-hmm. If that makes sense at all. So they're all type B cliffhangers, really. Yes, yeah. Tie up the story, but leave something going on for the next. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go back and listen to our episode on cliffhangers. We might need episode to revisit f- our principles at some point. <laughs> so um, tell us about Kelsey Grammer in this particular episode. Or as Blinky. Who is Blinky? Blinky's so, the mentor. Yeah, he's like the slightly bumbling mentor, and he's very versed in like the myth of the trolls and knows the history of the trolls and like all these magic objects and creatures that are out there in the world that are rare and interesting. Um, so he's, as far as like fantasy creatures go, very learned and highbrow and embraces that. And sure, um, there's a mention at some point that his um, his brother wrote a lot of the books that he has, and I'm sure that'll be gotten into more at some point in the show. Um, and one of my favorite things that they utilize Kelsey Grammer for in this episode, Blinky's Day Out, is that in a episode before this, he was exposed to a bunch of potions, and the plot of this episode is that he's now human instead of a troll. He looks like this wonderful, squishy human. And they... He, he looks like, he looks like, um, John Lovett should be playing the yes. role <laughs> of the human. He does look like John Lovett's. So it's essentially, if John Lovitz were voiced by Kelsey Grammer, that's what you get in this episode. I kept thinking, like, why is this not John Lovitz doing the voice of this character? But Well, I, they utilize Kelsey Grammer's acting, though, because they recognize that it's him because of his highbrow tone. <laughs> like, who are you? I don't appreciate that tone, young man. Blinky! Oh, hey, it's you! <laughs> 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 uh, so I thought that was a good, it's a good trick of knowing not just the story of what you're trying to do, but accepting like the, the star power of who you have in it and utilizing <laughs> the tools mm-hmm. at your disposal in writing. Like, okay, this is Kelsey Grammer. We're going to recognize that this is Kelsey Grammer as an audience, so therefore the characters do too. Yes. And I think, I don't want to say it's a caricature in some points, but you kind of use Kelsey Grammer because you want certain things to come out of it. So, and when it doesn't, then you get a little bit angry at it, like up Periscope or something. You don't get the right (laughs) Kelsey Grammer, then you're just angry at up Periscope and say, I've been lied to. I didn't get my full Kelsey Grammer. Gosh, up Periscope. I have no idea what you're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) We don't have to get into it though. You've, I, I'm not going to get into a periscope. I'm just angry at a periscope. Not Kelsey Grammer's fault. A periscope's fault. No, no, no. Oh. Um, yeah, so in this episode, I think that um, with Grammer's performance, they do this interesting twist on it. So, yes, it is the grammar that we've come to love and expect. Kramer? The grammar. Grammar. The grammar. I, thought, I, kept, I kept hearing Kramer. I'm sorry. The grammar. Like, Michael Richards? What? We're talking about Seinfeld now? Burst into a door. Oh, yeah. Tossed salad and scrambled eggs. <laughs> I, got, I, got, I got the amulet. <laughs> um, yeah, What's the deal with trolls? <laughs> why do we... Ha- why is a troll a troll hunter? Can't he just find himself? 
Seinfeld troll hunters. Seinfeld the troll jokes, yeah. Don't <laughs> don't search for that on the internet. <laughs> I saw another troll at the gym today. And man, she was really attractive. I think she was really digging me. <laughs> now, the thing about troll women... <laughs> the thing about troll women, Jerry... I don't know who Jerry is in this. What was that? I guess Jerry could be Arg. Jerry could be... Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> we're moving... We're on. not rating itself today. <clears throat> no, no, no. That's... <laughs> We could do a Seinfeld Troll Hunters mashup at some other point. <laughs> so, with this episode, you having not been as versed in the lore of Troll Hunters as I am. Wow, um, and thank a, you. <laughs> and a super fan. I would say that I'm a super fan. Um, of Troll Hunters. Of Troll Hunters. What did you think of both this episode and um, Grammar's performance? I think um, this particular episode where we get... Um, a change in this character. I think it would have been a little bit more pronounced for me it have been if I had lived 16 episodes <laughs> in for him to change it to a human. But you get to see that even in the troll world, there are things that aren't understood and things that aren't right. And maybe people are going on quests that are completely unbelievable, which I thought was a nice um, twist to it. But we get to learn a little bit about that there's as much of a hierarchy there and that now that the worlds are coming together a little bit more, now that there is a human troll hunter, there are going to be repercussions for both worlds. And you start to see that something that Kelsey Grammer was able to do is just come into the room, um, meet Jim's mother, and just come across as completely believable. He was just, he was using his uh, Fraserosity to convince her that he was a guidance counselor because of course he was a guidance counselor. And it gets so believable because like the rake joke, it goes on a little bit too long of like, Mr. Blinky, it's Bulgarian. It's blink. Hey. And like every time they say his name, he goes blink. Hey, <laughs> Like, that's such a specific, nice touch. Right. It's like, no, no, it's, it's Bulgarian. <laughs> it just becomes this, like, you ha has to correct them. <laughs> and, and which is a different change from the way he was earlier in the f couple episodes that I saw beforehand, where he's just a little bit sweeter and kinder and just a little bit more, uh, for lack of a better word, Geppetto-ish. You know, just this kindly old person who just wants to help out and I'm going to train you and it'll be okay. And this is something where you start to get an attitude and maybe he's more comfortable with Jim. Maybe he's more comfortable with these characters and he can let a little bit of his true self come out a little bit more. And what you don't see just from this episode is, like I said, everything changes in Troll Hunters every episode. Not everything. Something changes every episode in Troll Hunters. Yes. Um, and this is the beginning of Blinky as a human. And there are multiple episodes where he is human and they kind of keep pursuing this for a while. Hmm. Which I think is really interesting. So it's not a it's not a one and done episode where, oh, this is the episode where he turned into a human. Yeah. It's something that actually has repercussions for him. Yeah. And they 
I mean, I think also juxtaposing Kelsey Grammer as this well-intentioned mentor figure who's sort of this figurative father figure as a troll with the teacher who we established at the beginning of the series is very much like this father figure to Jim as a human. And spoilers, the, the teacher turns out to be a changeling troll, which means he's actually a troll but disguised as a human. So he's a human who is a father figure that turns out to be a troll. And then Jim meets a troll who is a father figure who turns human. I'm trying to keep all these strings intact. I'm sorry. Yeah. Hang on. I think I got it. I think I got it, but... <laughs> yeah, so but, there's this interesting, like, fatherness to the series, and I really enjoy the... I don't normally enjoy, like... Dad ran away when I was five, and... Well, I mean, it's not that case here, but, you know... I, I, I was going to say, I was... <laughs> I don't generally enjoy, like absent or deceased father stories um, where they then like spend a lot of time like exploring like who's actually a father figure in this person's life. Father is a state of mind. Um, but yeah. they, they I, I do enjoy how this plays with it. Okay. Yeah, I, would, I was a little afraid that it would become something a little bit more about the father. And, you know, being a father... It's a you know it's a little bit strange to have these stories, but I'm very in tuned with these stories now. And anytime there's like a deadbeat father or a father you know missing father or things like that, I start to wonder like, can there ever be a good representation of a father who's just trying really hard and actually loves his children? Like, do we need like liar liars movies? Do we need all these other things? Can't we just have a dad who's doing a good job? Like, can't can't we just have that? Wouldn't that be nice? You mean Kelsey Grammer as Blinky? Ah ha ha ha! Aha! Um, I feel like I've exhausted my very specific category of love for Kelsey Grammer in this single episode of Troll Hunters, because I could go on for the show for a while. Um, <laughs> on Troll Hunters itself? I, I could. I really, I want to <laughs> amend our best of 2016 to put Troll Hunters at the top of my list. Well, when we when we talked about our the best of 2016, Troll Hunters hadn't been released yet, so you didn't have a chance for it to be uh, I know, best. and I did mention, like, it's coming out, and I was excited, but I it's certainly one of my favorite shows of that year. Um, okay. So let's talk about our favorite things. Now, as a side note to this, any answer other than the rake joke would be a lie about favorite things for this episode <laughs> of the podcast. That being said, what's our second favorite thing? Um, for me, uh, my second favorite thing is the fact that um, in, in Cape Fear, when he's singing the entire score of the HMS Pinafore, the fact that he starts off just as his in his normal outfit, he's just at a one, at a two, at a three, and he starts singing, and he he just stays in his regular outfit, and then it changes to Dear Little Buttercup, and he's wearing like <laughs> the mop, um, a mop for his hair, and he's has you know other things, and then he has more set pieces the next song. And then at the end, he has a full-on general's uniform. Like, at oh this point, 
There's a general's uniform and the hat, and Bart has a playbill. And, and the like playbill everything. has Sideshow Bob on it. That's what kills me. <laughs> it's just, it's just, it just takes it the third step, which is it's a full-on production, <laughs> and it just ends it with this, you know, this wonderful performance <laughs> by Kelsey Grammer. These high notes, long held-out notes, and then the boat crashes, and it's just. I didn't note. I have noticed, but it wasn't as obvious to me the progression of these costumes that it was just getting bigger and bigger and bigger until the end. It's just Bob again, <laughs> just in the full, full-on general's outfit, which is like, oh, okay, that, I'll buy it. I found myself singing it along because it happened. Yeah. <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> How about you? What was your second favorite thing? Um, I gotta say, I think that intro hunters, the glass golems, are brilliant. Um, oh, those were gr- those. Those were threatening in the right ways. Yeah, threatening in the right way. Just like mythologically, I think it's great because if they establish in an early episode that the golem is like this this mud monster, and so if the the golems have to be earth, and then sand is also earth, and then sand is what you use to make glass. You can make a glass golem. Like, that's a brilliant thing. It's very subtle, and it's, like mm-hmm. you said, it's very threatening. They can't really touch it. It's all the squishy humans, and Blinky now is a human, punching one or realizing he can't with his soft, squishy skin. Yeah, I wanted more blood, though. Uh, I mean, yeah, I do too, but it's still, like... I know it, it should be... There's <laughs> only so much you can do with a made-for-Netflix children's serial show. But it was a it was a guy punching shards of glass <laughs> coming out just ow that hurt goodness me we have to be careful like I could put just, on my suspenders of disbelief you could yeah that that just took me out because then I knew everyone was going to be okay well if if you if you can punch shards of glass then you're all right <laughs> but it it was still very threatening to have these very Frankenstein monster-esque, silent, huge. They look like they should be um, spongy, but they're made of glass. Like, the shapes of them are very round, so they mm-hmm. seem very, like, huggable, like Baymax. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a good metaphor. But they're not. But they're not at all. They're the just shards of, of glass. Yeah. So, uh, very threatening, very good villains. I was, I was... I knew that it was going to be a difficult job for these squishy humans to beat through the glass. So it looks like we do have a little bit of unfinished business that you wanted to mention. I do. And actually, I thought of a second thing I want to mention as well. So okay. first thing, What's, first thing, if first you have first. an iPhone and iMessage, there are now BoJack Horseman iMessage stickers. They're $1.99, <laughs> best purchase of my life. Um, I have BoJack Horseman characters and single-line memes to send to everyone in response to anything anyone texts me ever, including such favorites as, What? (laughs) It's hard to adult. And uh, Mr. Peanut Butter as um, FTWTFWWTF. (laughs) And secondly... In, in the opposite direction of an adult-oriented <laughs> Netflix show, um, this Sunday after this podcast airs, um, Doc McStuffins is having a crossover with Winnie the Pooh. 
<laughs> yes, that's right. Which I'm very excited for. It's that is a completely obvious crossover once you think of it. Disney doing both a doctor who serves toys and stuffed animals and a series about stuffed animals. Like what a brilliant idea. I'm so excited for this. Um, I mean, Chris, you are a more avid follower of Doc McStuffins than I am, but I still like, yes. will will tune in and catch occasional stuff. And I guess not having a young child, I don't have as much of a reason to, but I'm really excited for winning the two. <laughs> I, I, I am excited for that episode. It should be a good time. Yeah. I know Christy was very excited. She announced it on Twitter with a screenshot. It's like, oh my gosh. Yes, and every day this week she is putting out a new tweet reminding us, and I'm so glad because it reminded me right before we recorded this to talk about it. Well, there we are. Um, so, homework time. Homework time. So, for next time, we'll be discussing. All the other animated movies of 2016 that we haven't talked about yet. And there are a lot. There are a lot. This was a, it was a big year for 20, you know, 2016 was a big year for animated movies. Um, Not necessarily all good, but it were a lot of animated movies that year. And to recap, we have already covered, and correct me if I'm forgetting anything, we've already done Zootopia, Moana, Kubo and the Two Strings, the Little Prince. Is that it? <laughs> oh my gosh, I think that might be. Um, I guess I can't think of anything else. So we definitely did those four. So if you want to re-listen to those, because those were pretty good episodes, I think. You can re-listen to those. And then next time we'll talk about all the others um, <laughs> in the big list and what trends we saw in animation in 2016 and we have a lot to look forward to in 2017 which we won't be discussing in that episode the jungle book we did the jungle book yes that does i i believe it does count as we said it counts as an animated film even though they want us to believe that it was live action yeah we'll wait for the junk for the lion king movie that they're calling live action that has no human characters well, they're not which, calling it live action everyone else is calling it live action i know Anyway, so <laughs> as always, I want to say thank you to Nigel Catino, our engineer, and thank you to Jacob Reed for our theme music. Um, you can find us on the web, facebook.com slash WG Animated, and on Twitter, at WG Animated, where you can also then presumably see our following list and see these people on Twitter that we've mentioned following in this episode, if you also want to follow uh, Christine, for example, or you can just search Christine on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> that was a long-winded way of saying that. And you can find all of our show notes on our website, www.tumblr.com slash writersgetanimated. You could also just go to writersgetanimated.tumblr.com. Oh, I mean, that yeah. Way too. I, yeah, I could not reverse that. That'd be good. <laughs> it happens in some order. You just try, try either one. Hopefully the other one isn't taken. I don't know. <laughs> so. Oh. I think I hear the blues of Colin. Those tossed salad and scrambled eggs? Yeah. Are they calling again? I call it again. Boop, boop, boop. Good night, Kelsey Grabber. <laughs> <laughs>